Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. So glad you joined us again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. We cover all of Texas, from the piney woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Winter wheat is famous for its ability to make a comeback after a rough start to the season, so as is often the case in February, we're once again hopeful that the Texas High Plains crop will get a chance to rally. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Corn results from the 2020 crop as farmers look towards the 2021 growing season. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. From West Texas, I'm Eddie Griffiths. Parts of West Texas receiving moisture, other parts of West Texas still needing more moisture as we edge closer to spring and spring planting. We'll have those stories, plus the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. A bill filed in the Texas legislature aims to clarify for consumers whether the product they're buying contains real meat. Jessica Domel has more. House Bill 316 was filed by State Representative Bill Buckley. He represents part of Bell and all of Lampasas County. The bill, dubbed the Texas Meat and Imitation Food Act, would block manufacturers of plant-based and cell-cultured products from using the terms meat, beef, chicken, pork, or any common variation in their advertising or on their packaging. It defines meat as deriving solely from the carcasses of cows, chickens, or other livestock. According to the Austin American Statesman, opponents of the bill say it's label censorship. They say it's unconstitutional. The bill's supporters say it's all about truth in advertising. I'm Jessica Domel for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. With cotton futures around 80 cents, this is a good opportunity for Texas cotton growers to contract a portion of their 2021 crop. But be sure to read that contract closely. Gerald Key with Adobe Walls Gin near Spearman says there may be some language in there you haven't seen before. Unfortunately, there's a lot of deducts in the fine print, and I just encourage anybody that's looking at a contract to really read it because there's additional discounts for low mic for short staple and some things that we had never seen before in contracts. Coming off two years of really rough, not good quality cotton production in this area, I guess the merchants are a little nervous about our cotton. But they're adding some what we think are unreasonable deducts to these contracts, and we're working with them trying to get maybe a little wider basis but take all that other junk out of it. Adobe Walls Gin's Gerald Key. The Texas winter wheat crop is struggling with dry conditions so far this growing season, but recent moisture may give the crop a chance for a comeback. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell describes the condition of our Texas High Plains wheat as extremely variable. 
It kind of depends on where you look. In the northeast panhandle where precipitation and subsoil moisture have been more favorable, the crop has been looking pretty good. But points to the south have drought-stressed wheat that is having a tough go of it right now. That's certainly true in the South Plains, where Dr. Bell says some cattle were taken off pasture recently. That's pretty significant because right now we're at a very early date to be pulling cattle off of wheat pasture. And cattle are being pulled off because there's just not enough forage to carry them through. But with some meteorologists saying our region might transition out of our prolonged dry spell into wetter weather in the late spring, even in places where wheat is currently in trouble, it's too early to give up hope. One of the things we always discuss is that wheat seems to have nine lives. And it is amazing to see a wheat crop that is looking poor in January and February just rebound and take off to the races. And if we have good spring conditions, that wheat crop can really pull through and, and make a decent grain crop. Now, that's not to say that it's going to make up for its lost yield potential from fall and winter conditions, but nevertheless, there still could be the potential for a decent grain crop. And as we hope for better weather for the wheat crop, we'll hear more from Dr. Bell tomorrow on management considerations for wheat farmers hoping to boost this season's yields. And a quick reminder here, the COVID situation has forced a few changes in the scheduling of AgriLife's producer education meetings around the area. So call your local extension office to find out about events near you. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The 2020 corn crop faced its share of challenges here in Texas and around the country. Tom Nicoletti reflects back on last year's crop and looks ahead to the 2021 season. My guest today is Adam Tice. He is a Pioneer Corn Marketing Lead and he joins us today from Johnston, Iowa. And uh, Adam, let's talk about the, the 2020 challenges in the growing season for corn farmers uh, across the country and uh, also here in Texas. 2020 was a, a good year for many Texas farmers, but to your point, definitely a year of some weather extremes, whether it be uh, too much moisture, not enough moisture, certainly some insect pressure, but, uh, but glad to see the results uh, for many coming where they did. We just received our 2020 harvest results from the entire U.S., and the benefits of the corn revolution, the increase we're making in the amount of material we're screening now compared to a decade ago, and the advanced testing we're doing, we're doing eight times more testing than we were a decade ago, are really showing up in the harvest results. We just looked at the top 40 volume hybrids that we sold this last year, and when analyzing the data, those hybrids had a 4.2 bushel per acre advantage over the competition. And that mix of germplasm screening, to allow yield potential to show through with the right mix of testing is how we take the global science of Pioneer and find those hybrids that are right for the local markets like Texas, where the extremes are so variable. Yes, these hybrids uh, certainly help uh, farmers uh, when it comes to managing risk and uh, looking at their bottom line after a harvest every year. Absolutely. And it, our, our goal as Pioneer is to make sure we can put as much protection into that kernel as possible because when a farmer plants his crop, never really knows what weather extremes may face that crop. So we look at things like drought tolerance, uh, the ability to withstand wind um, and doing more on-farm testing for more years before we ever put it into a pioneer bag and sell it on a farm. And certainly insect pressures that are unique to Texas, like uh, Southern corn rootworm, making sure we have the, uh, a level of insecticidal protection on those seeds as well to persevere through those pest pressures. And certainly things like corn nematodes, which is a silent yield robber for many farms and do have a presence as well in the southern regions. Pioneer is a 
incredibly excited about the opportunity for farmers in the 2021 growing season. Farmers have to look at each calendar as one chance to get a successful harvest. And we feel good at Pioneer. We're putting the right mix of germplasm that allows high yield, but also the right mix of agronomics to still yield and persevere through whatever stresses Mother Nature throws at the 2021 crop and then protects that seed with the industry-leading nematocyte protection that's standard on our recipe of Pioneer brand corn. That is Adam Tice with Pioneer. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Some parts of West Texas have received winter moisture, but others still need more to kick off the new growing season. Eddie Griffiths reports from the Lubbock area. As we get closer to spring, producers in West Texas still looking up towards the sky for more moisture in certain areas of West Texas. We have gotten some rain in the past couple of weeks in parts of West Texas. There's still parts of the area that are lacking moisture and needing to build that profile prior to spring planting. The wheat crop that has received some of the moisture looks like it is coming back to life, especially on the dry land acres. It is going to be critical in the next two months that we receive substantial rain. That being pretty slow rainfall to be able to catch it on top of the ground. Hopefully most of it will not run off and we'll be able to catch that and utilize it for spring planting. And also for the wheat crop that is established out there, that dry land wheat crop that producers are trying to get to harvest. It's been a tough winter on winter wheat with ample cold temperatures the past couple of months and also lack of moisture. So every little bit of help that wheat crop can get will be beneficial going into spring, whether that crop is used for cover or if producers are trying to take it to grain or hay. Storage of ample hay through the winter months has been depleted, so it would be nice to get a good wheat crop and any other spring planted crop we can get to get those supplies built back up. This is Eddie Griffiths reporting from Lubbock for Texas Ag Today. China purchased near-record levels of U.S. farm products last year, and that pace continues so far here in 2021. Michael Clements has the story from Washington. New trade data from the U.S. Census Bureau shows China purchased a potential new record of U.S. agricultural products in 2020, according to American Farm Bureau Federation Chief Economist John Newton. For calendar year 2020, China bought slightly more than $27 billion worth of U.S. agricultural products, which is likely a new record high in terms of exports to China. Newton says China has already made large purchases of U.S. corn and soybeans in the 2021 marketing year. China's been a very big player in the corn and soybean markets this year. So far, they bought nearly 6 million metric tons of corn. They're on the books for more than 11 million metric tons of corn to purchase from the United States, which would be a record. On the soybean side, we've seen China buy more than 31 million metric tons of soybeans already, and they still have on the books nearly 4 million metric tons. So they've been a big player in the corn and soybean markets this year. Newton says the increased trade with China has bolstered market prices for corn and soybeans in the United States. I think what we've seen is since China's been been such a heavy player in the market. It's helped to reduce our stockpiles this year. And, and as a result, we've seen prices move sharply higher in the last few months. Corn is now sitting at around $5.30. Soybeans sitting around $13.50. And that's up 50, 60% from where we were back in early August. And a lot of that's on the back of strong trade and export demand. Michael Clements, Washington. 
How can Texas fight its wild pig problem? I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And there's a bacterial infection that's on the rise in dairy calves. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look at that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. If you raise dairy calves, you may have noticed an increase in a certain bacterial infection. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look. The National Animal Health Monitoring System indicates that this disease is present on 8% of U.S. dairy farms. Dr. Kayla Clark from Michigan indicates in Bovine Veterinarian that she sees this disease mostly in calves either raised in hutches or post-weaning at three to six months of age. The disease is contagious and typically affects multiple calves causing lethargy and respiratory disease. And this is unusual as salmonella typically causes a GI disease. These calves also cough, and interstitial pneumonia is usually the cause of their death. There are several tests available for the disease, but some labs may not look for the disease, as it is still considered to be uncommon. Treatment of Salmonella Dublin is difficult, and it starts just like treatment of many calf diseases to make sure the animal is hydrated and electrolytes imbalances are corrected. Treating inflammation with anti-inflammatory drugs is helpful in many cases, and antibiotics are indicated, but finding an effective antibiotic may be difficult. For this reason, it is important to examine any calves that do not survive and culture the lung for a diagnosis and to determine the best antibiotic to use. Even with the treatment, Dr. Clark indicates that many of these infected calves will still not survive, and the disease is very contagious. If the calves survive, many will become poor doers with stunted growth and decreased milk production if they make it to the milking herd. Also, many of these calves that survive can continue to shed the organism in their feces and milk, so this allows transmission of the disease to other calves. The disease can also infect people, so this is another reason drinking raw milk is not a good idea. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The fight against wild hogs here in Texas is an ongoing battle. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. The wild pig population in Texas continues to grow. Dr. John Tomachek, a wildlife specialist for the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, says until we can get more control across the state, we'll continue to have growing wild pig numbers. It'll often ebb and flow. You know, we had a pretty darn dry year in most places this last year. And so a lot of folks said, well, gosh, pig problems, you know, they're a lot better right now, except for the people that were near water who reported that pig problems were much worse. And so I 
I like to remind people, even though you'll see fluctuations in the numbers on your property, they're not gone. And so we need to do a better job of removing pigs. And there's a lot of effort right now coming from the government, both the state and the federal side, to supporting it. And it's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. But that doesn't mean that private landowners don't still need to put in the effort to manage pigs. And what I've really been harping on the last few years is that pigs don't know property lines. And most properties in Texas are smaller than the average home range or average area that a pig sounder travels on a regular basis. So I've been trying to get more landowners, not just to talk to their neighbors, but work cooperatively to manage this issue. And you don't have to be a formal co-op, but talk to your neighbors and say, okay, guys, we're all like-minded. We share the same goals. We share the same problems. Let's talk to one another and plan out how we're going to take care of pigs on our property, what tools are right for us, what are the finances of that, and how can we split it up so that the labor and the financial burden is less on each one of them. And really, Jessica, that's going to be the way that we push this dial the right direction. That was Dr. John Tomacek. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domal. The cattle markets climbed higher throughout the trading day on Tuesday. We closed with triple-digit gains in most contracts. We also saw the cotton market move higher as well, but losses continued in the wheat market. We'll update all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it here on Texas Ag Today. Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees? In fact, bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a higher close in the cattle complex on Tuesday, both live and feeder cattle ending in positive territory. Lower grain prices tend to help cattle prices, and that may be what we saw happening on Tuesday. February live cattle up a dollar ten, one fifteen ninety seven. The April up eighty two, one twenty two fifty two. June live cattle up fifty seven cents at one eighteen eighty. On the feeder cattle, March was up a dollar twenty, one thirty nine twelve. April feeders up a dollar seventeen, one forty two twenty five. May feeder cattle up a dollar thirty two, one forty four thirty seven. Cash fed cattle market all quiet on Tuesday, as we typically see. The feedlots asking one fifteen this week. No bids reported so far from the Packers. Boxed beef mixed, the choice up 45, 236.13. Select down 3 cents, 225.56. Now with a look at the auction markets, here's Larry Marble. When you hear cattle on a Tuesday, it's time to head up to Milam County Livestock on the Little River there in Cameron. Talk to Kenny Mingus. Kenny Mingus, talk to us. How many noses did you end up counting? We had a total of 1,649 cattle. Out of that, we probably wound up with about 300 cows. Oh, maybe 50, 75 rannies. Good. Let's walk the pins. All right. We'll start with the steers under 300, $1.50 to 205, 3 to 400 pound steers, 141 to $2, 4 to 500 pound steers, 130 to 182, and over 500, $1 to $1.69. 
nine on a heifers under three hundred a dollar forty five to two bucks three to four hundred pound heifers one twenty nine to one seventy four to five hundred pound heifers a dollar to dollar sixty one and over five hundred eighty to a dollar thirty five on the packer cows they put some money on them and it was a good bit more active from twenty to sixty five packer bulls from sixty to ninety four on your bred cows from four thirty to eleven seventy five and on the cow calf pairs from six forty to fourteen hundred uh, we had a lot of good cattle scattered through it condition was right on a lot of them good now what are you anticipating for this next friday which would be the fifth larry it's been kind of quiet yet this morning but it was quiet all last week up until thursday sometimes you know i think we'll have another decent run talking around to some of these guys as they say it's just a little too wet to plow still so they're, they're trying to get in and the people that haven't put out fertilizer for the corn are trying to get that done but they can't quite do that so if we catch some good weather they'll work it just one more week and then then we could slow down just a little bit larry i think they'll be trying to put the planters in the ground we'll tell everybody how to get a hold of you if they're going to bring you some cattle you bet just catch us at the office monday through wednesday from about nine to three at two five four six nine seven six six nine seven follow us on our web page at milamcountylivestockauction.com or catch us on facebook neighbor that was kenny mingus milam county livestock auction cameron texas sells them over friday i'm larry marble you hear me every day walking the pins on the texas farm bureau radio network Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs close strongly higher. February hogs up $2.7155. April up $2.57.7807. Class 3 milk steady to higher. February milk up 28 cents, $15.78 a hundredweight. The cotton market closed higher, still hanging on to that 80 cent level on the old crop contracts. A higher Dow Jones Industrial Average helping to support cotton prices on Tuesday. March cotton up 66 points, 80.69. May cotton up 69 at 82.05. New crop December cotton up 77, closing at 78.71 cents. Wheat and corn both mostly lower. Of course, we're still sitting at six-year highs in the wheat market. July Kansas City wheat down six cents, six twenty-one and three quarters. July Chicago wheat down three and three quarters at six thirty. We actually hit a seven-year high in the corn market yesterday. However, prices did close steady to lower today. March corn down six and a quarter, five forty-three a bushel. September corn unchanged, four seventy-one and three quarters. December corn down three quarters, 447 a bushel. In the energy markets, March natural gas was down a penny, 283. March crude oil up a dollar 22, 5477 a barrel. The financial markets higher with the Dow Jones Industrial Average up 550 points, 30,762. The Nasdaq up 234 at 13,638. The S&P 500 up 62. 3,863. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.